Hey guys, what's up? Matt and Pat back for another fantastic episode right specifically it. about objection handling. Mm-hmm. So if you're a sales rep, a business owner, or someone who doesn't hate money, this is a great episode for you to watch. We're going to be talking step-by-step step exactly how to handle things like time, money, partner, all those things. So Can I tuned. think about it? We'll talk about it later on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, if you like this kind of content, like, subscribe, notification bell, all that kind of good stuff, and we'll see you after the intro. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. So objection handling, is that the most important thing in sales? Like, For the purposes of today, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think it's unimportant. I think it's the most important. I think it goes along, you know. I think I think for newbies it's really important because it, it's one of the easier things to be good at mm-hmm. or at least serviceable. Okay, at and I think most people are unserviceable at it. Okay, hence like they get a lot of they struggle to overcome a basic concern. Okay, because they just get flustered. They don't really know what to do, and someone's like, "Oh well, you know, it sounds great. I just need to go away and sort of think about it, or you know, check on my finances." Mm-hmm. And that person might just need like a tiny little nudge, be like, "Okay, well, let's talk about that now." Mm. And then most of the time they go, oh, "Okay, that sounds great. Let's go ahead and book another follow up call for next week." And then mm. like you know, all of a sudden the prospect just cools down. Yeah, and you know they they just don't want to buy anymore. So in my experience as a buyer, when I say I need to think about it, I, I don't need to think about it. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's most of the time. I, I think, um, you know, um, but it's not all the time. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes they just people think they're going to go away and think about it. But like I can probably name on one hand the amount of times that I've gone away and deeply thought about something for an mm-hmm. extended period of time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just really need to go away and think about this. It's like, are you really going to put away an hour to just dedicate just toward ideating the possible ramifications of this? You're not. You're just going to continue to live life along the way that you've lived it. Um, people usually, they need to buy there and then or they're not going to buy, even if they really do want it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've there's been cases where I've really wanted to buy something and for whatever reason, the person had a terrible sales process and I ended up not buying it because it wasn't until four or five days later and I was like, oh, I'll just keep the money. Yeah, right, yeah. You've, they're like, you've cooled off on it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my life is the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like sometimes it was things that I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't buy that and sometimes things I'm like, oh, I wonder what it would have been like if I bought it. Mm-hmm. So... You know, but for for things like uh, like products, I think it's like a you know an actual product. Like a if you're buying a piece of art, or if you're buying, you know, a car or something like that. I think like your your cycles are a bit longer, mm-hmm. um, and the chances of that person going away and thinking about it and actually getting it are probably a bit higher. Okay, because it's like you you receive the tangible. Mm-hmm. So like you can you know you get a new car and you go away. And you go, okay, this sounds really good. I just want to go away and think about it. Like I think chances are the person is. Actually little, thinking about it, you right? know, it's a high ticket item, and you, you, once you cut it to me anyway. Once I want a new car, I hate my car. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, I know exactly. What you're like, Fuck this car. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but with services, mm-hmm. um, and I think expensive services in particular, it's really difficult for that person to then justify the need for it four or five days later because it's designed to like enrich in their life or you know like help them lose weight or help them make more money. Um, but it's a very sort of the reason why they want to go away and think about it is because they're worried about getting the return. Mm-hmm. You know, they're worried about <laughs> getting the result. They just kind of go away. They keep living their life. And then the kind of the need that you created throughout that sales goal cools down, fizzles out. And they think, oh, you know, I'm just really busy right now. It's not really a good time. I'm just going to go ahead and table this for the time being, mm-hmm. which is why most people just never get started. Right. So I know we're probably a little bit out of sequence, but we're here now anyway. What's the best way when someone says, oh, I need to think about it? What do you say? The first way is you've got to, if they just say, I really need to go away and think about it, I segment them into one of two categories. The first is fear or logistical. Those are the two categories. With that answer, I've got no way of knowing. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is kind of throw everything out and then I would have them handle the objection that I think they're maybe giving me. Okay. So if you said, oh, I really didn't think about it, I go, all right, Pat, cool. And and like if someone just gave you a duffel bag with $10,000 in it and said, this is for your sales training, like do you feel like, do you feel like this would be the answer for you? Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? You go, yeah. yep. And you go, do you mind telling me why? Well, I mean, it sounds like amazing sales training and the money, it's not going to cost me anything. I just got that money for free. 
Okay, perfect. And is there anything in particular that you feel like is of most benefit to you? Like, what's the kind of the key to the castle for you? Know the things that we laid out. I can't remember because we haven't laid anything yeah. out. Right. So, <laughs> so I would get them to go like. Uh, so what I would do is I get them to, like, the objection doesn't exist because let, let, let's say it's free. Let's say I give you the money for it. Like, mm-hmm. would this be the answer? Because what I need to get is I need to get a clarification that yes, the service. And the thing that I'm receiving gives me the outcome that I want. Okay, so then in doing that, you're turning the, I need to think about it, into a potential money objection. Yeah, yeah. So because most of the time it's money. Right. So I can just go, okay, well, you know, let's just say someone gave you a bucket full of cash. This is for your sales training. Like, would this be the answer? And then I can go through and I go, okay. And I know that sometimes um, for our clients, money can be an issue because they haven't learned the skills to kind of, you know, make more commissions yet. And I would know how much you're making and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. that's part of the discovery process. But I would go, so have like, you know, have you, have you thought of any ways where you can come up with the funding where you can learn the skills to X, Y, Z? Like, have you kind of thought about that route? And then, so we go down the route of thinking about how they would fund it. And then I would go, and then I could offer suggestions like, have you considered funding or have you considered using other people's money or have you, cons- you know, all the different methodologies that you, like that you can do. Then from there I could go, okay, well, is it the upfront amount that you're finding a little bit, you know, hard to bear? Or if I was to break that down into more digestible segments, that would be easier for you. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Because I tell you 10 grand, you might not have 10 grand on hand. Mm-hmm. And so just through the discovery process and just talking about money in a very normal way, we, we get to the fact that, oh, okay, yes, a payment plan would help this person. Sure. So we go, hey, would two payments of five? And then judging by your reaction, I might immediately drop to three payments of three, three or something like that, mm-hmm. like that or I might stick to that or I can kind of maneuver from there. And then even though like I haven't addressed their initial concern, which is I need to think about it, I then go all the way through and I get an agreement. Okay, okay. So just in theory, three payments of two, five, or four payments of two, five, space 30 days apart, that works in your current budgetary constraints. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. And how would you like to proceed from here? Okay. Then you can go, yeah, that all sounds really good. I just need to go away and think about it. So that how would you like to proceed from here? That it, it seems like you never actually say to people like, so are we going to do this? Like yeah. you don't, you never you sort of. say no to that, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no is a hard thing to come back from. Okay. It's like possible, but difficult okay so you you you, you try not to give anyone the opportunity to say no to you you just give them oh well i'm not gonna i I, like what what's the how do people say no without saying no they just say they want to think about it they want to think about that (laughs) (laughs) that's so i'm I'm just normal yeah okay Uh, so I, I just I just don't want the conversation to become adversarial in any way. Mm-hmm. And if you say no, and then I'm starting to give you rebuttals to a no, it becomes like a two people de- like a debate. Yeah. Okay. You know, no presidential debate has ever resulted in anyone changing their mind. Yeah. yeah you know. So yeah. you don't want to get in that tit for tat type okay. scenario. By but by going like essentially the way I want the way I think about objection handling is like the person's presented with an infinite number of doors Mm -hmm. because they can make any decision they want. Mm -hmm. However, like I am slowly but surely eliminating doors. Yeah. Okay. Right. But they, they don't, I'm locking them as they go, but they just don't realize they're being locked. Whereas by going through that money piece and getting an agreement upon what works in your current budget and go, Oh, okay, that works. Yes. Sweet. Now it's like, I know that we can handle the money side. So you can no longer come at me with a money objection because we've already handled it. Sure. Right. Now, if I know they have a spouse or they have a business partner, I could then go straight into a partner objection. So I know you have a partner, um, you know, and I'm just wondering, I know they're not on the call, but if they were on the call today and they kind of knew all the context of what we're doing and what we're talking about, do you feel that they'd be on board with you learning the skills to be able to X, Y, Z? And I just go through the exact same sequence, Mm -hmm. right? And then I get an agreement upon if they're going to move forward without the partner or with the partner, if they're going to move forward without the partner. It's no longer like a legitimate objection that someone can use who's got any level of like consistency in their messaging. Mm. People hate being inconsistent. Mm. You know? Something we've spoken about here before and it kind of, um, I, I, it was very interesting to me the way you framed something was the partner objection when people say I need to talk to my partner about it. And you mentioned like how asking people, have you actually had a detailed conversation mm. with your partner to even to this point? Like, do they have all the context? Is that... Is that typical to people? Is that normal? People give that sort of answer to that, or is that something that it's a um, an NPQ, NPQ thing uh, that you do? Like, how how normal is that? I think it's something that I definitely teach. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's, it's interesting to know if they haven't had the conversation, then it makes it much easier mm. because it's like, well, it's not really fair yeah. to ask someone to make a decision when they have no context. Yeah. So you've got two options. Either we give them the context together or you just move forward without it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like just say personal experience, you know, um, probably 12 months ago, I did a course that was like $15,000, right? Yeah. And um, I did the same. I asked Jane like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about doing this course. And she's like, yeah, do a course of $15,000. And then realized, like, I was like, oh, I have given you no context. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. no, like, I will easily recover the money from that within a month of having done it. It's, yeah. a, it's something that's really necessary. I'll be left behind if I don't do it. Like, like all these reasons. I was like, why did I even bring it up? Like, I don't even know why I did that. That's it, exactly there's right. There's no context for her. It's just like, it's just like saying, I'm going to rip up $15,000. Of course she's going to say, that's a stupid idea without yeah. knowing it all. And if you've never had conversations about, but like a lot of the times when we're like, like when we're speaking to people, let's say it's sales training or whatever, like they're in genuine need of the products. Like they're not producing, they're not able to kind of provide the family, like the life they want for their families or whatever it may be. Right. So they need to learn the skills to get better. And it's like, if that, if you haven't kind of given your partner any insight into the kind of like emotional pain or like worry or suffering Mm. and just a bit of money can fix it, even if money's tight, like, and that you think you have a good chance of being able to fix that issue, like that's worth doing. Mm. You know, like if you wouldn't pay for therapy for your partner, you're a bad partner. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like if someone came to me with like, hey, I want to do therapy for 20 grand and I had no idea the person would be like, what's happening? Yeah, I'd be yeah. like, where is this coming from? Yeah. You know, so um, take whenever you're dealing with partner, having that kind of insight is good because again, you can put some frames on people where it's like, well, is it really fair to ask them to make that decision? Mm-hmm. And then if it, it, like if they say no and you go, okay, well, are you willing to make the decision without their okay? And if they say yes, then you're fine. You can keep going. And most people will say yes. Like okay. they just will. Um, but if anyone who says no, then you then get a chance to take control of that. You get the spouse or the business partner in on the, like, and then book another conversation. Mm-hmm. But you don't want that person to try and sell the spouse. Mm or sell the business partner. Like that's your job to do it. So yep. you take control of it. And yep. then from there you book another call. And then like, you're not going down this hard pitch line where you're trying to sell someone who like, because of an agreement in a relationship cannot spend more than $5,000. Like yeah, yeah. some marriages have that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't want to be the guy who, <laughs> who causes like, the divorce. Exactly. That's, a, a, yeah. that's, that's not good. Yeah. Um, and then from there, like if you get an agreement, okay, cool. So, you know, regardless of what your partner thinks, you're going to move forward anyway. And this works in your current budgetary constraints. How would you like to proceed from here? Sure. So again, I'm inviting more conversation because mm-hmm. that's the key with objection handling. The reason why most people suck at it is because they run out of things to say, which has just never been a problem of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Yeah. Just, just as like, yeah, just as a natural um, yep. person, like I don't usually run out of things to say, but a lot of people they do, and they just kind of get flustered and they just can't keep it going without getting weird or adversarial. So they cut the call and they move on to the next without kind of giving the person enough time to really think about the problem. Okay. Um, or they just don't know how to address the basic like logistical concerns. Okay. So that's where it's great where you have things like the objection handling matrix, mm-hmm. which um, they could find at salesniper.net. Salesniper.net. I think salesniper.net. Would probably salesniper.net somewhere along the bottom here. Yep. And there probably be a link to the objection handling matrix download somewhere. Yeah. Right. So that's where I kind of lay out step by step all the things that you have to do to handle these objections. It took me like three or four months to write it. Mm-hmm. It's like a 15, 20 page document with the step by step instructions with flow charts and scripts of exactly how to handle all these. No shit. Yeah. And we're just giving <coughs> that away for free. Been giving it away for free for years. Snap a do. Yep. Updated every now and then. <laughs> I reckon there's like 25,000 downloads of that thing by now. Wow. Okay. So you'd think people would have got it by now, but you know, anyway. Um. So. You said something then about, uh, sorry, to even take a step back, you said at the start, the difference between a logistical and a fear-based objection. They might be the same thing, but from a different place, right? Yeah. Elaborate. So you you have to, okay, so you got the two, a logistical objection is just like there's an obstacle on the way. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hadn't thought about a payment plan. Yes, payment plan would work. How would that be here? Mm -hmm. Yes, that, that works for me. Thank you. I can do that payment plan. Thank you very much. Or, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way with my partner. Yes, I would like to proceed from here. Or, you know, there's just something in the way and you just have to talk about the concern, not an objection, mm-hmm. like a concern, have a, a a consistent way of being able to overcome that. Mm-hmm. And then from there, moving forward. Okay. Right? A fear-based objection is when there's no rational reason why the person wouldn't move forward. Sure. You know they can afford it. Their partner isn't an issue. The timing's great. And it's going to get them the result. 
Okay. So like if you're in that situation, you don't move forward. It makes no sense. Yeah. So if it makes no sense, then the person's either just completely not interested, which you probably get a good feel of. Mm -hmm. Like they just won't be that emphatic. And during the presentation, like you should get a yes, this works for me. This will get me their result. Mm -hmm. And with some detail around that, mm -hmm. and then you'll get that more and more and more throughout the process. So even if they're not super convinced, hopefully by the time you get there, they are pretty convinced. Mm. Um, but you'd be able to tell that during a sales call, someone's just like, Meh. you know. It's, it's rare, though, that someone is like a, I'm not interested. Okay. It's like a one in a hundred. Yeah. You know? So when we were talking about this the other day, you mentioned something about like, you know, there's, you, we just did a video on mindset and stuff like that. And that, that seems to be the, the bat that a lot of people want to hit their prospects over the head with. Mm, like yeah. it's, it's it, you just have the wrong mindset, whatever. And can you t explain the damage you might do to a prospect or, or the chances of a close if you were attack something as a mindset problem or a fear-based objection when actually it's a real logistical problem. Yeah. Well, just imagine having like a having like a budget that you're allowed to spend. Mm -hmm. Like you're the chief sales officer of a company, you want to get sales training, you have a $20,000 budget, it's 25 grand. Mm -hmm. Like you'd be like, hey, I, and if you were had a sales rep that was like, oh, this guy's a mindset thing, they've got the money, you know what I mean? It's like, and you kept beating them over the head with like fear and all this kind of stuff. Like they're just going to get pissed off and they're just going to go, hey man, like, chill the fuck out and it's going to get adversarial really quickly okay because you're like putting that onto them when it's not the case whereas if you went through a logistical first then you would say oh it's a budgetary constraint issue mm -hmm. all right cool let's work with that and then from there we can schedule a follow-up call i could do a discount if it was a more of a corporate thing like that to get the ball rolling whatever it may be yeah so i could figure that side out so that's why you always got to start with logistical and a lot of the time especially in the coaching and consulting space people are taught that like a buy or die mentality or like, you know, you have to get them to buy on the first call. You have to do all this kind of stuff. And it makes no sense. Like mm -hmm. it's just silly buggers. It's written by people who have never actually done anything hard or spoken to people who like are willing to have a, or have a backbone in their life to tell them, no, it's just not happening, bro. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so they, they have this like buyers or liars mentality. Okay. Um, that, that 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 sounds rehearsed. Is that someone's <coughs> buyers are liars? Is a way thing from way back. Okay, all the old school sales trainers go. Buyers are liars. Don't listen to a word they say. Okay, so then, like, it seems to me like we're we're kind of tearing a chasm apart here, where <sighs> a difference between the way that you do things and it's this very you keep saying non-adversarial, like you want to like be uh, a friend to the prospect and not hit that resistance and yeah. bring on buyers' resistance, I suppose, by having an argument. Um, that's new, would you say, or is that? Yeah, it's definitely like it's definitely like a more NEPQ thing. It's that sort of Model Three new era of selling. The old era is like the boiler room and all the kind of like old school more more selling is. It's sort of like it's designed to combat human behavior. So a lot of the old school sales books are like, if a person does this, do this, and it will counteract it. Okay. Right. Whereas more of like the NEPQ or more the newer sales model is more like, okay, why is that happening? How do we work them through that so that it's their decision to overcome it? It hasn't been kind of placed upon them. Sure. Because you want someone to make a decision. You want them to make a decision. You want them to change their mind. Yeah. If they don't change their mind, if you change their mind for them and you kind of forcibly do it, they're just going to refund. Yeah. Like, because you can't stop that. Yeah. You know, we recently had a refund here and I got an email on like Saturday for a new client that signed up to one of our media things for five and a half thousand. And I remember hearing they tried to pull out Marco got on the phone and sold them again. And I was like, oh, Marco's really good at that, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> so I was like, I'm not surprised. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? The person put objections up in the beginning. They ended up buying anyway. They then tried to pull out, and then they got resold. Okay. Right? Because they tried to pull out, and then they just, the next day, they just went and refunded. Like, right. they just put it in, hey, this is, a, they just disputed the charge. So I suppose there's limits you can talk about with that because it's a real thing, mm. but that's fear-based, do you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, it's just, oh, this is... This is money. Money has gone too fast. I'm freaking out. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and they, they should have just emailed and gone, hey, listen, I've changed my mind. I don't want another call. I would yeah. have just refunded it instead of them doing it that way. Yeah. I hate people who dispute charges. Yeah. Because it can be fixed like that. It's yeah. Like, yeah, we'll just refund you. Now the whole dispute thing is like. It's a pain in the ass. And if you sign through. a contract, then I can just submit the contract and I'll keep the money anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas I would have just refunded you. It's not a problem. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> they just don't want to talk to Marco again. They just That's don't the want to issue, talk to right? Yeah, like, I don't have the capacity to say, say no, no to, this to this guy. This guy's going to tangle me in knots. He's going to make me feel strong and powerful. I'm going to feel like I'm going to conquer the earth yeah. without him holding my hand. I want to give up. 
I don't have the balls to go through with it. Yeah. And that is a thing that happens. Yeah. You know, and it's it's fine. It's fair yeah, right. yeah. I've, I've well, no he's not going to hold their hand the whole way through, right? So yeah. it probably is for the best that they do that, do you reckon? Or yeah, like, I mean, it's hard to tell. It's circumstance to circumstance, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, wish them all the best. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, a yeah. big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, so I, I think, like, having that segregation of fear and logistical is important because you don't want to... You don't want that to happen on a regular basis. Sure. It's very rare that it happens to us. Like, very, very rare. Sure. Um, it used to happen all the time when I was, like, just smacking and grabbing people. There's a, a training in our Facebook group, Closing Code. I'm pretty sure it's still there, of me, like, objection-handling guy for, like, 25 minutes. Uh-huh. Like, aggressively, though. Like, back before I was in EPQ. And I put it in there as an example. It's what not to do. Yeah, sure. Now, it got the result, right? I actually sold the guy with a lot of objection-handling. He got onto the onboarding call. He then tried to pull out during the onboarding call. So the coach texted me. I hopped onto the onboarding call, ambushed this dude, and then for another 25 minutes, <laughs> right, just started <laughs> tying this, this dude This is the second time you talking about it. I better watch it. I, yeah. I want to watch that. It's just like, it's not it's not mean, mm. I think, but it's super manipulative. Yeah. Um, and something that I like, I have as an example of like, this is what how not to do this, mm-hmm. you know? Because, like, it's not hard if you're a somewhat dominating personality who can talk to just talk rings around people. Especially mm. if you're willing to. Okay, so knowing what you know now, given that exact same situation, would you you would obviously handle it differently? But in what way? I think I, I think I used to tell a lot during objection handling instead of sort of asking, and I used to use what's called like logic traps. Mm-hmm. So I'd ask I would ask questions that were designed to get that were designed to trap people in a specific logical loop. Yeah. So it was like you answer these questions. And I say, is the sky purple? You have to say the sky is purple. Okay. Right? Because it's like all these things lead up to the only answer being the sky is purple, but they seem somewhat unrelated. Okay. And it's leveraging people's hatred of being inconsistent. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Okay. So then in like in that way, it's, it's compulsion in that you're essentially forcing the person into it without them ever sort of relinquishing and take, taking the step themselves and going like, There's I no intent see, behind it. Yeah. I see what you've done here. I... I I I know this is the right thing for me. I will take the step. I will relieve the pressure and take the step. Whereas what you're doing is like, ha and pushing, <laughs> them, yeah. pushing them so that yeah. they fall and have to take the step. Exactly. And then realize like, I didn't want to do this. Exactly. Hmm. Whereas I think the way that I do it now and the way I've been doing it for a long time is more like it's using sort of like a visual map of like, this is the landscape that's happening at the moment. Let's kind of explore that. And then kind of linking it back to a decision-making process or a paradigm. And, and like being able to talk to the person calmly mm-hmm. and for a decent period of time. And this is why it's important to do things where it's not adversarial because some people just need a good half an hour of chatting. Yeah. You know? Um, but if I'm doing it with a specific outcome in mind and I know what I'm doing, then I can sort of push them in the right direction or guide them in the right direction. But the whole time they feel like they're kind of in control. Mm-hmm. But just through a series of like tactful questions, it's getting them to think about things in a different way. Okay. Like if someone has, has made a decision, like if their entire life has led them to be 60 kilos overweight, it's probably not the way forward. Mm-hmm. So like their instinctual decision-making process is incorrect when it comes to that particular area of their life. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't have to get them to buy a fitness program. I have to get them to go, okay, I am going to make decisions in a different way. Mm-hmm. And if my instinct is to run away from this kicking and screaming, maybe that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And if that's the problem, that's something I really want to change. Yeah. And so I want to run towards this instead of away from it. And like, they sort of come to those conclusions themselves. And go, and the answer is almost like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm in. Okay. So, um, how precise are you with that language? Like, do you say to people like, you have to this point in your life not make good decisions around health? Do you, are you that corrupt uh, um, no. with them? No. Uh, I think you you can be later on. This is right. There's there's a YouTube video which we can link below, which is like the escalation of objection handling mm-hmm. from like that, an, that video is probably right here. Yeah. <laughs> Over there. Yeah, right there. From an intent perspective and a like emotional perspective. So which is why you want to be super neutral and you don't want to get aggressive because if you get aggressive and you have a high level of like intent behind what you're saying and you're saying it aggressively, it's really overwhelming for people and they can't think. They just flounder. So I need to have like a neutral intent. Okay. But like with a high level of emotion attached to that. Okay. So like I might start out the end of my loop is always, so what do you need to do to put yourself in the best position to be able to? 
Okay. Right? Which is, if you noticed, isn't what do you need to do to lose 10 kilos. Mm-hmm. It's what do you need to do to be in the best position to be able to lose 10 kilos. Yeah. Or make money or whatever it is. But because, like, uh, people say, well, what kind of guarantee? Okay, the guarantee is death and taxes, and when you die, you pay tax. It's the only guarantee, bro. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. I can, we can do everything perfectly, and it could not work. You know, or you could do everything terribly, and it could work. Like, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get rid of that, because it's a, that's a stupid way of thinking. Okay. What's the guarantee? It's like, well, fuck, I don't know you're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> you know? So. I well, l- let's tease that out a little bit, because I think. <coughs> I think that's important when someone's, you know, it is a coaching program and like what guarantees are there that this will have the effect that it has, that you're claiming that it will have, yeah. right? And then you say none, the only guarantee is death and taxes. And they go, well, mate, like I, 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 I'm a guy that's going to give it my all. I just don't know whether you're a coach that can teach it to me. Yeah. Well, what assurances can you give me? What's, what's your answer then? So what I usually say is, listen, if you're looking for a guarantee, this is not the right program for you. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I wish I could live in the world of rainbows and unicorns, but unfortunately, I live in the real world where the only guarantees are that you will die one day, and that you'll pay tax, and that when you die, you'll pay tax. Mm-hmm. I cannot guarantee that the moment you sign up, you're in it doesn't shit the bed for 12 weeks, mm-hmm. that you can't log into anything, or that you get hit by a bus, or that I get hit by a bus, or that something happens. There's no guarantees. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And thinking that there could be one is it's just outside of the realms of any, what, what anyone can guarantee. And what I don't want is, hey, I guarantee this as long as you tick these 47,000 boxes. Mm. And if you don't tick one of them, there's no guarantee. Mm. It okay. just seems disingenuous to me, right? Yeah. So I'd rather kind of live on that realm. But all we can do as human beings at any stage in life is put ourselves in the best position to be able to achieve our results. And if we're doing that consistently enough, then hopefully most of the time it works out. Now, listen, did the guy who ran against Usain Bolt all those years and got second place, did he win? No. Did he put himself in the best position to win? Yes. He still did pretty good, but he didn't win. Mm-hmm. And is it his fault? Usain Bolt, once in a generation kind of athlete, not his fault. Scotty mm-hmm. Pippen was pretty good at basketball. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, we can do all the right things and still not win. Yeah, yeah. You know? So... All we can do is put ourselves in the best position to be able to win. So, like, what do you think you need to do? What are the action steps that need to be taken as you, the business owner, or whatever, yep. that put you in the best position to be able to actually achieve your goals? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a roundabout way that puts it back on them. Yeah. Like, what are the things that you're willing to do? Because if the answer is, well, I need to learn X, Y, and Z, it's like, okay, well, how much longer do you want to put put off taking the steps and learning the skill so you can actually do X, Y, Z? And the answer to that is, like, hmm. And then I would make them do a number. Yeah? Yeah. Get that specific. Yeah, well, like, what's the time frame? And if they're sitting there kind of ruminating for a while, I'll tell a story. Um, I'll be like, so there's this poster in my office. It's got 4,000 dots. Do you know what the 4,000 dots represent? No. I go, like, no. (laughs) I go, it's one dot for every week of life a human's given. Wow. Right? Every Monday morning, go up and scribble one dot off. Right? And it's kind of a good reminder that... I need to do the things I need to do every single week, every single day, every single month to make sure that I'm putting myself in the best position possible because I know that there is an end coming, right? So it's like, for me, it gives me an opportunity to not waste time on things that I want to do, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, if I, if I want to get X, Y, Z, I'm going to go and do that because every Monday I've got to reflect on that, mm-hmm. right? So how many how many of those dots do you want to kind of fill in? Oh, none. I. you know so like but that that's a but putting it in that visual way is like oh shit because people think of like oh just a couple of weeks it's like all right well you're only given four thousand of those weeks Mm -hmm. right so if you had a bucket with four thousand marbles how and that's all you had for your whole life right and you had to trade those marbles for certain things or skills or whatever Mm. how liberally would you trade them because the moment they run out they're gone Mm. you know so it's an interesting that, that, way of looking at things. I, I like that. I like the idea of giving that sort of finite nature to time. What would be the effect if you use that to a time objection? So would would that be kind of like two negatives making a positive or do you think that would scare someone away? Is that the wrong answer? Uh, it's probably case specific. But if yeah. you're, you're trying to sell me a coaching program, <coughs> I need it. We've identified that. But I'd just say, hey, man, like right now I got I – got Two kids, two jobs, two dogs. I just don't have the time for that. If you were to then launch into your 4,000 dots. No, that that would be a later on thing. 
I'd, I'd go, okay, well, like, let's just, how much time do you feel like is appropriate to delegate towards learning this skill? Like, on a weekly basis, like, is, is, is seven hours a week, is that an appropriate amount of time to delegate towards getting XYZ result, which should be a somewhat emotionally profound result? Like, is seven hours a week reasonable? Yeah. Okay. I'm only asking for three and a half. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, you anchor. Yeah. That's what that's called, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll anchor seven, and then, I'll, like, whatever I'm going to say, it's going to be more than what I'm going to require. Okay. Right? So, like, if I only need four hours a week, and be like, is, is eight hours a week, is that reasonable? And I like using the word reasonable okay. because it's a difficult word to get around. Okay. It's like, well, of course, like, if you want to go from 10 to 30K a month, of course, eight hours a week is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I'm only asking for four. Yeah. So, do you feel like... You can set aside four hours a week towards learning the skills so you can X, Y, Z. And usually time time objections take about eight seconds to get over. Because, okay. like, of, of course, you know, okay. of course it's done. Like, it's the whole point. Like, courses are good ones are designed to, like, aggregate lots of information into an easily consumable format. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, I should be able to learn. Like, you know, it took Jeremy 22 years to really finalize NEPQ in its current format. Like, if, if you were to be able to learn that in 12 weeks, would that be a good use of your time? Yeah, yeah, okay. You know? Yeah. Like, time objections are stupid because, you know, Elon Musk has the same 24 hours in a day that we do. Yeah, yeah. And he's running, like, multiple billion-dollar companies. Yeah. And fucking up other billion-dollar companies. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's been an interesting thing to watch unfold, hasn't it? It's genius, yeah. Do you, do you think he this was his plan all along? Yeah, it was. I think, it's, I think the reason why he did it was to um, be able to liquidate his Tesla stock. Yeah. Yeah, so he liquidated $8.5 billion of Tesla stock without affecting the Tesla price. Yeah, right. So okay. if the owner of any other company were to do that, they would tank it. But he said, no, 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 I haven't lost faith in Tesla. I want to use it for this other purchase. So he liquidated $8.5 million, $8.5 billion, sorry, yeah. into his personal funds. And then if he has to pay the billion dollars fee, who cares? Yeah. It's just that's a billion dollar loss. Yeah. Right? So that's a billion dollar tax deduction. So now, as, as essentially, he's just saved a billion dollars in tax. Yeah. So, like, it's a. I think that was probably his game. So you think he never intended to... I don't think he ever intended to buy it. I could yeah. totally be wrong. Um, I'm yeah. sure when I chat to him next, he'll let me know. <laughs> <laughs> i got a call with him. Yeah, yeah. I'll ask him. We're going to do his marketing. Yeah. I think that's super interesting because, uh, like... It's possible he'll be forced to buy Twitter, right? Like it could go to court. Like uh, th- that's in the realm of possibility. I don't think it's likely, but it, it, it no. Is but possible. even if they force him to buy it, he still won't have to buy it. Right. Okay. So the law can't make you spend the money. Right. So there's no law that can make you buy something. Right. There's a law saying that you can execute the contract, but he can just go no. Like right. they can't make him transfer the cash. Right. Okay. Right. So like it'll just be a prolonged. There's like tons of times this has happened. And, like, very rarely has the person actually had to transfer the money, and it's always been for very small amounts. Right. There is no way that the government will enforce a $44 billion transaction. Yeah. They just won't do it. Yeah. Like that. So it's he's he's in the clear. He'll have to pay the billion, yeah. which, is a, which is a fee that he contractually agreed to. Yeah. Um, but, like, there's just no but way. But as you say, that's probably worth the billion to clear the $8.5 out of Tesla without it, impacting the... It didn't touch the stock at all. Yeah. You know, so if that was his play or if it was a, uh, he figured out he could do both and he was like, well, this is a good way. If I get Twitter, great. If I don't, I'll just, it's fine. I got eight and a half billion dollars in my personal account and I'm good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can live on it. He'd manage. (laughs) Yeah. He'd manage. Yeah. An eight and a half billion, pay a billion in whatever. It's funny though. Like Zuckerberg doesn't have that much cash. So I was reading this kind of financial review stuff and Facebook stock isn't doing that great. And like, but he can't liquidate any of it. Mm. So like, he doesn't have that much. I mean, he's still a very wealthy man. Yeah. But like, compared to what he's worth, he's got like nothing. Yeah, yeah. He, he can't, can't do anything. He can't it. unlock it. Yeah. Because the moment he were to sell anything, the whole it would tank even more. Yeah. So he's kind of like in this rock and a hard place. Yeah. So. Like the guy that ended up with was it like thirteen billion or something in um, Sheba? Yeah, in Sheba, but couldn't like if he if he sold any of it. it I think was, he managed to get rid of like five billion of it. Yeah, they 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 broke it they up. Broke it they up. started moving it around and just sort of chipping away at it. But I don't know how much they actually got out. I think no it was one five, knows who it was. I think it was right? five billion. Yeah, think, right. was the number that I heard and kind of like. Well, the, I'd be still be happy with that. I mean, you can live on it from a. I think it was eight thousand dollar <laughs> investment. Right? Probably he's the greatest trader of all time. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Celsius just went under. Really massive. Yeah, they just filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, they had like 11.8 billion under management. 
Um, and they were like fucking so over collateralized. I'm under collateralized. It's not even funny. They just, it's the problem with these like fucking 22 year olds of Wunder kids running a Ponzi scheme that don't realize it. <laughs> the, the, the guy from FTX, this is random. You can cut this out if you want, Boosh. The, yeah, guy, <laughs> the guy from FTX, the guy who runs it, I saw an interview with him with like some genuine finance guys and he was describing yield farming. And they go, oh, that's a Ponzi scheme. And he goes, no, it's just, you know, a bit different in your, your world versus my world. And he goes, let me ask you a question. Does it, okay, so you put money in because it has a value of X and you're like, oh, this seems like a good idea. Yeah. And as you put money in, the value goes up. So because the value goes up, you put more money in. And then when you put more money in, the value goes up. Yeah. Is that, is that how it works? Yeah. They go, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it works. He goes, yeah, it's Ponzi scheme. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And there's no underlying value to the asset, right? Yeah, there's nothing no, to sell. There's nothing to sell. They go, no, no, no. They go, yeah, it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. That's like literally, if you defined it, that's what it was. And he was like, ah, you know, different worlds. Yeah. He's like, no, I don't think so. We agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this kid, he's like running, he owns FTX, and he's like this fucking dorky 23-year-old with like terrible hair. You know, oh, and he's madness. just like, rah, rah, rah. and he like doesn't even realize like the stupidity of the things that he's saying, and he's running this fucking giant company with Matt Damon. And the FTX Center. But, you know. Objection handling. Yeah. yeah. So, um, tell me a story. Tell me about the the wildest objection you've ever had. The wildest objection? Yeah. Like, someone, you said, like, hey, here it is. You make the offer. And someone mm-hmm. goes, that's interesting, Matt. Sounds really cool. But, and just said something that you, like, oh, and, and, and really had to work through the Rolodex to figure out. what. Oh, I, I haven't had that. Like that I can remember is someone saying just some weird shit. The weird, I had a guy randomly bring on like another person halfway through a sales call once. And he was not interested. Like I'll be very clear. But like I, I got, I, I noticed through the call, he was like a competitive sales trainer in Europe. Okay. And he got on the call and I knew he was only there to hear me sell. Right. Right. And I was like, I figured it out pretty quick. And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, but I'm going to tear this dude into knots. I was like, I'm going to tear him into knots so deep that he will hate himself for not moving forward. Okay. Even though I know he's never going to. Right? Okay, okay. So I go, my, my job is to get a maybe. That's my job. <laughs> it just like, seems like a fun thing to do. Yeah. And he brought on one of his friends halfway through. Right. So I started selling them against each other. Um, that was fun. I had another guy who they go, okay, we just need to sit over a cup of tea and do this. And it was two business partners. I said, okay, well, what's that in the background? Is that a kettle? I go, yeah. I go, put the fucking kettle on, boys. Like, let's do this. <laughs> like that. So we sat there. Then from there, they said they needed to chant over it. Okay. Because um, they were like these two guys from Canada and they were selling this like spiritual healing thing. And I was going to teach them NAPQ and all this kind of stuff. So it's like they went to the seventh level. And they were like, I am, I am. like throat yes. singing. Yeah. Like that is me and Marco on the call together. <laughs> I love that. Right. <laughs> and so like, we're sitting there and they go, we just need to like chant with you guys to, I don't know if they were fucking trolling us, but <laughs> either, either way. And so this guy starts throat singing. Like that. And the guy's fucking beating, beating a drum. There's two white guys in the basement, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I have to take my camera off because I'm losing it. Like, this is <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever seen. And Marco's sitting there going, hi, uh, hi, uh, hi. He's, into it. <laughs> he's just into it, chanting away. So he spent like 20 minutes chanting and, and talking shit. I just didn't move forward. <laughs> <laughs> it just wasn't aligned with their chakras on the day. Um, Fair enough. That was a funny one. That was like, there was just wild. Yeah. Me and Marco were like, that was the greatest sales call ever to happen. Yeah. Like that. It was the wildest thing. But the one um, that it was probably like, uh, the, the my my one that like I'll use, I think it's in like our, our staff training portal. It's a, he gives me every objection a person can basically give. That's like a normal objection. Mm-hmm. It's just because the guy was really scared to move forward. Mm-hmm. So he was an Indian kid, really, really nice guy. He ended up doing like, ended up staying in the seventh level ecosystem for like a year. I mm-hmm. uh, did like every course. But uh, this is back when we only had Inner Circle. So it was just one 15K program, which was at the time was a million rupee. Right. Right. So it was like a lot of cash for this kid. Yeah. I think he was making like two grand a month US mm-hmm. at that. And this was a $3,000 a month investment. Yeah. So he was going to have to big boy up real quick. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and he was terrified. Mm-hmm. Terrified. He's probably listening to the podcast. He's yeah. I've heard dude. the call. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, you heard that one? Yeah. But that's like, that's looping and looping and looping and looping like throughout the constant things. And it finished with like, you're scared, right? He's like, yeah. And I was like, do I sound scared? No. It's like, well, then fucking use me, dude. 
I'll drag you through. And until you can stand on your own two feet, you just fucking hop on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay. It had that pan out. Great. Killing it. He did a really good job. Yeah. 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 He stayed in the ecosystem for ages, bought a few more courses and is like a successful closer. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, it's like a really good happy ending. I probably wouldn't show that call. Yeah. It was, bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, he signed up. And we never heard from him. Ever yeah. No, when broke died. He yeah. paid his fee and then disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doing terrible things for Weebix. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that one was probably like the most like logistically or like demanding one that I've ever done. Cause it does go for like over an hour mm. of just objection handling. I had mm-hmm. the time. So I was like, Oh, and I knew that with a fear-based objection, if they don't buy there and then they're gone. Okay. Like they're gone forever there's because no, there's no second chances. Well, people will just default back to their way of thinking. So it's like, Oh no, it's too much or it's not the right time. Or people convince themselves it's not the right time all the time, mm-hmm. you know, which it's like, well, it is. Really, like, when are you going to be? This is the thing, like, with business owners and people, business owners used to go, Well, now isn't the right time. I would go, Okay, well, is your plan to become less successful, stay the same level of success in terms of the revenue of your business, or increase in success over the next 12 months? Oh, increase. I go, Okay, and you think that will take less time? Mm. So, you have more time right now than what you ever will have. Like, if I looked back when I thought I was busy when I was running gyms and didn't have kids. It was a fucking joke. <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> you no have idea. no idea. No idea. When you have kids, it's like it just changes. It changes in such a profound level. Yeah, yeah. So when anyone who's single tells me they don't have time, I go, you you know what you're talking about. Yeah. The only one who's allowed to say that is Marco. Yeah. Because yeah. I see his diary. Yeah. He's working 19 and a half hours every day. Yeah. You know? But he's got the time to do that. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. work that much. Yeah. He's taking that opportunity while he can. Yeah. He reminds me of us when we were going through selection. Yeah. Like, I, if I wasn't training, I was sleeping or eating. Yeah. You know, like that was it. It was just, that was the life for a while. And yeah. You did what you did. You know, so the time objections I find are really easy to overcome because you, you can't make more time. Mm-hmm. And if you earn more money, just even by natural attrition of a business growing just at like a normal organic rate, you'll inherently have less time. Yeah. Because you'll have more clients. Yeah. Um, or making more sales or whatever. And as you get older, you'll have, you'll add kids to that. So like if you don't learn the skills to make more money and less time now, when are you going to learn them? Mm. Because in 12 months from now, you'll be more busy than what you are right now. Mm. How do you handle the fear-based objection of, you know, like mostly what you guys sell is coaching programs. There's so many shit coaching programs. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, we've been through the whole stuff that you, we don't sell crap. There's a huge vetting process involved in that. Uh, we we have by mistake though. Be really sure. transparent. But we figured it out very quickly. Yeah, and it's off and the... Just turned it off straight away and then told them, hey guys... I figured out you're a scam. Right. <laughs> we're out. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not a scam. I promise it's a gray area. Ah, uh, you said gray area. I don't like gray areas. <laughs> this is 18%. Yeah. <laughs> so um, someone says, hey, man, like all this sounds really good. It's just there's a good chance it's bullshit. How do you like, so that's a, that's fear. And you're like, I've done stupid courses that you you get into the back end of it and you're like, this is a <laughs> fuck. Right? And it's yeah. like, I'm approaching, I, I, I like everything you're selling me. It looks great. I'm, I'm, I'm in Hollis Bolas. I just think that it's possible this is bullshit and I'm not going to hand over 15K to bullshit. Uh, what, what now? So that's, that, like, that's an upstream problem though mm-hmm. because there's just no way if you've done a half decent job at selling that would happen. Okay. So I'm creating a situation that would never actually... Oh, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, it would. Okay. You know, one out of every X amount of people might might say something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it definitely depends on the industry and the realm. You know, hopefully the marketing has done a good enough job of like showing the value and they've gone through some of those levels of awareness and the sales process helps out with that. And then in solution awareness of the sales call, it's like, hey, so what have you been doing to XYZ? Mm-hmm. And you go through past programs. Hey, what was there? You know, like if someone tells me that I go, okay, so like, so w- like, what have you been doing to actually help yourself get to that 20 K a month? So you can, you know, increase your conversion rates and all that kind of stuff. And they go, well, you know, I've done a few courses in the past and I've done this and done this. Oh, sweet. Like what courses have you done? Oh, I did Cardone's. I did this. I go, cool. And like, what was your, what was your experience like with those courses? Mm-hmm. You know? And they go, ah, oh, well, you know, Not it great. wasn't great. And I go, well, what do you think held you back with having success with those approaches? I won't say, programs or people i'll say approach Mm -hmm. because i don't want to like shit mouth competition sure because the reality is most coaching programs are good enough to get the result Mm -hmm. like there's very few really shitty coaching programs out there Mm -hmm. because like it's just 
like it's not that hard to have a decent coaching program. Yeah. You know, like it really isn't, especially like unless they're lying about things that they coach about, right? Which is a rarity. Those people don't last very long. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can get that and I can say they had a bad result, then what a lot, a lot of times what I'll do is go, okay, well, when you signed up to XYZ program, were there testimonials, were there case studies, like were there other people in the program getting results? And usually they go, well, yeah, there were. And I go, okay, so like what do you think was the difference between what those people went through and what you went through? They put the work in. And I go, oh, okay. So was there an issue during the time when you were doing that that maybe you couldn't dedicate enough time or enough work? Or mm-hmm. like, what do you think the issue was as to why that strategy didn't work for you? And they might go, well, it wasn't too bad, I suppose, but I wish I had more one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you mean by that? And then I would go, okay, well, just so I can make sure that what we do would actually work. What do, What are you looking for in an ideal coaching or training program to help you get to XYZ? Like, what's your ideal um, criteria? Okay. So, like, that whole section of my script is designed to get rid of that. Okay. You know, so a lot of some, there are some objections, which are just a clear upstream problem. Like, someone who asks for references. Yeah, yeah, this all sounds great. Just let me speak to two of your clients. Okay. This is an upstream problem. Right. Because it's not real. Like, three clients. Okay, so if I send you to my three most successful clients, would you like that? All-time hitters, number one. The best guys I ever had. You want to speak to those guys? Yes, please. Yeah, right? And most of them are going to go, well, you know, no. Because it's like everyone's got, everyone's hit a home run. Yeah. You know, most of them are going to go, no, I just want to speak to this. It's like, so, so you want to speak to someone who's what, your age, your gender, your niche, your level of business experience with your exact same product? You're looking for a fucking unicorn? Okay. So that's how you just sort of dismiss it through that. Like it's yeah. not, that. like what you're asking for is impractical. Yeah. I can't really well, provide I would, it. The first way I would go through it is, okay, so let's just say I am able to get you through to, to John and I'll text him now just to see if he's available. Um, and you like what John had to say. What would be the best next steps from there? Mm-hmm. Right? And they're going to tell me whether they want to speak to more people <laughs> or whether they're going to move forward. And I go, they go, oh, no, I definitely move forward. And I go, okay, and what are you hoping to hear specifically from John that's going to give you the confidence to where you want to move forward? And they're going to tell you what the concern is. Mm-hmm. I want to hear that. Okay. The so, so XYZ is XYZ. All of that is just scratching away to find out what it is that they're actually scared of so that yeah. you can handle that and give them the answer to that there and then. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. So like I need to I need to get around like that's the that's the smoke screen of mm-hmm. like, you know, I need to speak to somebody. Okay, cool. Let's break that down. And if you do speak to them, you like what they say, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna move forward. Okay. And in order to get that you to move forward, what would John have to say? Like what like what kind of things would he have to kind of go through and what concerns would you would you want to be like taken through? Mm-hmm. They go this. And then you actually hear the real concern. Right. You're like, oh, okay, cool. And then you can talk about the real concern, you can go through it. And then from there, most time they just forget they even asked about it. And they right. just kind of move forward. Um, you know, because like in reality, like I barely uh, providing references is a fool's errand ninety nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Almost nobody. Like I remember uh, there was a program that I sold where James had bought it. Okay. And I would send everyone to James. Yeah. Okay. He bought it. He was a client, right? Yeah. He was a legit client. Yeah. So I'd send everyone to James. And like nine times out of 10, they wouldn't even call him. Yeah. Or even if James called them, they didn't want to talk. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it was just a bullshit yeah. objection of like, they don't, that always comes from a lack of trust. And it comes from the prospect not feeling like the problems are really understood. Okay. Because like if you felt like I really understood your problem and therefore the solution that I presented was with the context of I really deeply know your problem. Like speaking to someone doesn't just one anecdotal conversation isn't really going to change that. Yeah. You know, so and it, it like it comes from there. It can be so easy to fabricate as well. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. That's why anyone that even asking for that are like, yeah, well, it's definitely the, not my mother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I sold those last two dogs, the guy was like, oh, I want to send these videos. And I was like, cool, man. But just so you know, like, I'm happy to send the videos, but I'm only good at two things. One's training dogs, the other's editing videos. <laughs> so, like, I, I can send you, I can send you any video you want. And yeah. it doesn't mean shit. What you have a chihuahua that what can kill you? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's why crazy, don't you come right? and see the dogs in person so that we can actually <laughs> get this done? <laughs> yeah. Your dogs can fly a jet. Yeah, bro, it's legit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got a pretty fancy editing computer, right? I can do a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, like, you know, kind of to, I guess to kind of wrap it up, 
the key with like quality objection handling is having a process that you can comfortably roll through mm-hmm. without getting shitty at people. And the not getting shitty at people comes from a place where you just got to be okay with that people are going to say no. Mm-hmm. And like you can't be frustrated at people making like going back to their default decision. I think a lot of salespeople, they get really frustrated when like all the logistics line up and it's like they're just not moving forward. I used to get super frustrated in fitness when you have someone across from you that's 150 kilos and they're like, now isn't the right time. It's like, you were literally dying in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. You need to do something about this. And that's frustrating. And that frustration comes through in how you speak to somebody. It's very hard to mask frustration. Sure. Um, and so the, the key is to, to realize that you don't have that much control over the person and that they will make the decision that they feel is best, whether that's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to agree with it. It's not going to affect you at the end of the day. So just be okay with it and just, like, try and ask the questions that are difficult, you know? Um, And if you ask difficult questions and you do it with, like, a a modicum of empathy behind you um, and you talk like you were, I don't know, talking to, I don't know, like your mother or something where, like, you're not going to get, you know, like, you know, like you don't get frustrated at, this is the best example anyone ever gave me. And it was how to deal with people with like a, a mental impairment, say like a narcissism or, you know, a borderline personality disorder or something like that. Sure. And, and it's like you would never get frustrated at somebody with a broken leg not running upstairs. Sure. So, you know, don't get frustrated at people acting the way they act mm-hmm. if it's expected that they will act that way. Mm-hmm. And so an overweight person will usually default to making the decisions of an overweight person. So it's like it's up to you to try and help them overcome that. But in the, the day, that might be 50 years of just terrible decision-making that has links back to how they were treated when they were seven. Yeah, yeah. And you can't fix that in 45 minutes. And so, like, don't be frustrated. Just be a bit like, oh, like, I wish I could help that person. That would have been cool. Hey, you know, I'll, I'll keep a good relationship with them because they might just need more time. Mm-hmm. And then I can nurture that person. Then hopefully in two, three, four, five, ten weeks, they come around and through my good relationship with them and the fact that I didn't get angry and frustrated, they have enough respect for me to listen to me and then sure. they come around, right? And I think that that's a big game changer for anyone trying to handle objections. Okay. Because the number one thing that I see is lack of process and frustration. Okay. And if you can sort those out and the process is super easy, just go to salescypher.net, download the matrix, salescypher.net, download but the matrix. It'd have to be a link somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> that. It'd have to be. Um, and then from there, just, you know, have a bit of empathy behind yourself and, no need to get angry that someone didn't buy a program. Cool, man. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, guys. If you want to see more like this, let us know. We actually did this video based on a specific, uh, specific request, request yes. in the comment section. Absolutely was. Which we read and respond to. Every time. Boom. All right, guys. Make sure you like and subscribe, notification, but all that kind of good stuff, and we'll see you on the next one. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. Thank <laughs> you.